welcome back to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. My name is Julian Guderlei, and I'm here today with Bruce Cryer, founder of Renaissance Human, former CEO of HeartMath, and also 22 years teaching faculty at Stanford University. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Excellent to be here, Julian. What a pleasure. Yeah, I'm totally honored to have you on the show, and I'm very excited for the conversation we're about to have. Uh, Bruce, I'm so intrigued by the concept of Renaissance human. You've done a lot of incredible stuff already in your life, and now you're coming up with something new and fresh. And I want to just hear a whole lot more about Renaissance human, what it's about, and what the intention is. Mm, awesome. Well, the term Renaissance man is fairly familiar to a lot of people. Uh, I remember hearing it when I was a kid, and it referred to usually guys who were business people, but they also were artists or classic pianists and, and so they seem to, to dabble and be actually quite skilled at a, a variety of things that didn't necessarily go together so a renaissance man was kind of a polymath could do many things at a high level and uh, I when I was a child I don't recall hearing the term renaissance woman used that much well fast forward to a few years ago when um, I'd been spent 30 plus years in the business world mostly in transformational and healthcare oriented businesses after leaving a career in show business where I was a singer, actor, dancer, and even had a small art business on the side, a couple of years ago, things were starting to come back together all together. So I was singing again, I was dancing again. I'm a photographer now. I, I coach, I lead companies, I mentor, and people started referring to me as a Renaissance man. I thought, interesting, I've never thought of myself in that way. And qu pretty quickly, I thought, that's a really old fashioned term. <laughs> and missing half the population, uh, let alone is it a term that's even kind of relevant today. It's one thing what it was like 50 or 60 years ago. So Renaissance Human hit me as what a cool update. And then I began kind of thinking more about what would that even mean. And I realized that to me, what happened for me as a result of a pretty hairy series of health experiences was the rebirth of the, the creative spirit in me. So I've been very creative young and quite creative in my early business career, but gradually I lost a lot of that creative outlet. And then when I got really sick and you know, the word life-threatening is thrown around a few too many times, you start to realize, wow, what am I missing here? And part of what I realized was I got to get creative again. There's so many ways I would love to express myself creatively and I'm just not doing it. And it's, just, it's no one's fault. Uh, it's just the way life has worked out. So in getting back on a kind of creative tear, getting my, my mojo back, if you will, began to develop this idea more of Renaissance Human as, as the full expression of all of our creative facets, whether or not those are artistic expressions. So this is not just becoming a poet or becoming a dancer or becoming a painter because you always wanted to. This is developing that creative capacity that helps you make, make relationships work well, whether that's personal relationships or business relationships or being a problem solver, not because you can be a poet, but because you can have a playful attitude towards solving this really thorny, shitty problem that you're dealing with. So that's sort of kind of become a mission now is to help people awaken that, I call it creative brilliance that's programmed into our DNA and do that in a fun way, do that in a playful way and in a way that to me, the world is in need of this kind of energy now, big time. Absolutely. I think there is a lot of truth in what you're sharing in kind of this need for more playfulness and creativity. And I think it's also very interesting to, to go into this terminology, because if you think of us as humans, we're human beings, we're not human doings, right? We're not necessarily confined to one career or one form of expression. 
And even though we might be intellectually gifted or we have a capacity for engineering, it doesn't mean we can't also sing or be athletes or dancers. So, so I think it's just fascinating to re-enter a terminology like that into our, our vocabulary. So what is, what is Renaissance Human um, really about? What, what is it that, you, um, that you're creating through this, this new channel? Well, it's it's very fun process because when as this kind of as the term came to me, and, and of course many people have, that, including one of the guys that you and I both know together, John Brancy, he had had the same thought of that same term at around the same time I had. Um, to me, it's about um, letting a creative process unfold into an entity or a movement, really. So it's less about planning the structure of a business although there will be elements of that to, to create the form and that's already starting to happen, but more about letting the creative process really unfold through the people that are being attracted to it and seeing what it wants to be. So that can sound like super vague with or, or California gobbledygook. Of course, I did live there for many years, um, but in essence, it feels like it's a movement that's starting that civilization needs that honors the, the creative spark in, in, in all of us. And so there are events that we want to do. We want to, we would love to, create a festival in New York City, which is my home now again, uh, to honor, not just honor the arts, although it will, it will do that, but honor this creative capacity in, in all human beings. Uh, but it's, it's, it's to give people a chance to do that for themselves too. So whether that's through workshops or through online courses or whatever vehicles, um, becoming more of a movement than a, a, a company or a product, although of course there will be those, those outcomes as well. As well. So I see it also as multi-generational because while there are many people who relate to my story who are, who are baby boomers as I am, um, you know, coming back from, well, it was cancer and it was staph infections and it was double hip replacement kind of you know, stuff that is not fun, to say the least. While people of my generation can relate and be inspired by, wow, and you're doing all this cool stuff again and you're singing again and you're dancing again on titanium hips, wow, awesome, good for you. I've had 25-year-olds saying, Man, I have no excuse for not developing my creative capacity. If you can do that with all that you've been through, you know, like who am I to, to, to not do it too? So it is definitely something for all generations and it's meant to be completely inclusive of you know, whoever we are, wherever we are in our own life journey, however we identify ourselves, religiously, gender-wise, ethnically, nationality or not. Uh, it's, it's about the inclusion of the human race and the, the expression and the appreciation for the fullness of who we are. So it's really a call to express as creative beings, as human beings, uh, yeah. the way that, that we come equipped with all these gifts and talents and skills, even if we haven't tapped into them so far. Absolutely. I mean, if you just look kind of soberly and analytically at the world scene, there are clearly some heavy duty problems that we're facing. And, you know, at the old expression, you can't solve the problems of today with thinking of the past, we've got to have new ways of thinking. And it's not just thinking, it's new ways of creating. And to me, and I think there's millions of people have, who have already awakened to this or are in the process of awakening to this, our power to create a different reality is way past what we even imagined. And in my own little life, the fact that I came back from pretty dire health uh, situations and feel extremely healthy and people are shocked how active and physically you know, adept I am, having gone through stuff, uh, let alone how old I really am. <laughs> um, it's, it's just a, a testament to the power of creation, our ability to create a different life than, than what it has been, no matter how dire it can look, no matter how 
uh, much it seems like, wow, you've got just so many things against you. Um, we've all felt those kinds of things. And I, I think it's time for us to um, collectively say, we're not going to buy into that anymore. So this, this spirit of creation that I'm saying is alive and, and programmed in, into our DNA, or, or we wouldn't be able to create life again, but we all can, humans that we all have that capacity. Whether we were created another life is, doesn't really matter. We have the capacity to create, and our bodies are constantly creating new cells, new thoughts, new feelings. And with our consciousness, through our awareness, we're creating relationships. Right now, you and I are creating this conversation. We don't necessarily think of it as creating, we're just talking. Including oh, yeah. everyone listening is co-creating this conversation. Yeah, this is really exactly. fascinating. So basically what I'm understanding, Bruce, is you're also really empowering and encouraging everyone who is kind of resonating with this message to step into their own Renaissance uh, version of themselves, to really understand that we're not just thinking and intellectual capacities of, of creating jobs and systems, but we're really here to express the voice through body, through creativity, through art uh, on, an, on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. And, and a lot of, and it's exactly what I mean, Julian. And, and I think sometimes people say, well, why did you pick the word Renaissance other than the fact it's kind of a cool French word um, and it sounds, it sounds elegant. And of course it Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> does, but of course the meaning is, is rebirth. And to me, in what, if, if I've learned anything about life over the several decades that I've been on the planet, uh, it's that you do continually birth new parts of yourself. You go through rebirths. I have gone through several major life reinventions, which you could think of as a rebirth, meaning not like, a, not like I'm being born again, but there's a new part of me is being born. So we had the original birth, <laughs> 60 some years ago in my case, and then other births of new facets of ourselves that we grew into. I never dreamed of being an actor, singer, dancer as a kid. Suddenly at age 17, found myself wanting to do that. At 19, doing it starring in a major show in New York City. And so that was a, a birth of something in me that I didn't know, or a rebirth, if you will. So um, that's why I, lo I love the terms. It's the, the Renaissance, meaning the, the new birth of, of aspects of ourselves beyond what we maybe thought was possible or ever imagined. It's super powerful, because I know so many people out there, uh, including people listening right now to this conversation, including myself in different kind of iterations of myself, feel really limited to this one identity that they've been perceived as or they've kind of created within their mind, right? So birthing out new aspects of our personality um, as a healthy way of expressing. Bruce, I want to hear a little bit more about how you're actually embodying this or how it's been part of your journey. Just as you said about dancing um, in like a, a major show in New York City at the age of 19, like how is especially voice and dance, how is that part of your life and what... What is it that you've learned through these mediums? Yeah, thank you for the question. So yeah, in my late teens, early 20s, actor, singer, dancer in New York, Broadway kinds of things, um, that, that's what I did. I loved it, I was very good at it, very successful with it. At a certain point, I lost the juice. It's like the, like the light switch went off. I thought, this is not my all that I wanna do in life. I don't wanna just be on a stage entertaining people, as fun as that is and as, um, valuable as that can be and I went on a kind of a spiritual quest if you will and kind of put that all to the side and and left it behind quite easily actually in fact it kind of shocked me like wow that was really easy a lot of people would say how did you do that you were you were successful how did you how could you do that I said the the passion was gone it wasn't that hard actually 
And I had this lovely life for many years, developing companies and ideas like HeartMath that more than 20 years of my life were devoted to helping build that organization, 11 years of which as its CEO. And yeah, yeah, more than 20. And actually my connection now is, is 30 years as of this year or next year. Um, but then I got sick and, and really sick and it was, it was quite shaking to my spirit because of the severity of the illness while my mother was also nearing her passing and then she finally passed away towards the end of my process. And so many things were, sh were shaking and needing to be kind of looked at and I kind of couldn't help but look at it because of the situation I was in. Um, more and more I began to feel like there's this creative urge that's, that's rising again in me. And I, especially when I crossed a certain threshold and realized I was going to make it through all of this. This wasn't the end. This wasn't a premature end. And I was starting to be on the upswing. And then I started to envision my life again in a positive way and realized I don't want to just do what I was doing before. There's this other spirit that wants to come out, the creative spirit. And within about five months, four months of stepping down as CEO of HeartMath, which happened in late 2011, I was attending a Christmas carol concert at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., 2,000 total strangers, uh, professional orchestra on stage, professional singers on stage. And it was one of the most magnificent evenings of music of my life. And we were singing Christmas carols. But the arrangements were amazing with this chamber orchestra that were just very unusual and very hauntingly beautiful. And like they'd start playing something, we didn't know what it was. And then all of a sudden it was first Noel. And oh my God, that was amazing. So I was uplifted and, 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 and the chance to sing, even though I couldn't hear myself sing with 2,000 other singers, uh, was, was ext extremely uplifting. And that night I realized, partly from feedback I was getting from people around me in the audience, and also just my own spirit saying, dude, you, there was something left for you to do with your singing voice. You're not done. It's time, it's time to dust off and start, start with it again. And that's, that's very, very powerful. I reached out to this dear, dear friend, Gary Malkin, who was a roommate of mine in college at Oberlin Conservatory. And we wanted to work together, but I was always too busy with heart math and couldn't do it. And I said, man, I've had a life-changing experience at the Kennedy Center, and I've got to sing, and you're the one I'd like to do it with, and when are you free? And within a month, that had become, that desire had become a project that we started doing together called What Makes Your Heart Sing? And Gary is a brilliant performer, seven-time Emmy award-winning composer. I was a good performer a long time before. <laughs> it had been a while since I'd really done it. We decided to kind of connect, join forces and combine our talents into a musical keynote. We call it a keynote performance by the name of What Makes Your Heart Sing. So that was the beginning of, so we are now creating events, hour to two hour long keynote events. And that was the beginning of kind of resurgence in creativity for me. I was now needing to be in rehearsals. That was so much more fun to be in a rehearsal than being in a meeting. If somebody would call me and say, are you three at three on, on Wednesday? I'd say, man, I got to rehearse. It just felt so much better than to say, oh, I'm in a meeting. And so I found my, the playfulness in me is just starting to get uplifted because I was practicing songs again for the first time in 30 some years, practicing, you know, cre creating kind of a, a theatrical experience for a, a corporate audience. And that, that's kind of what got it started. We, we've done that now for six or seven years. And then two years ago, um, I got uh, a wonderful request from these two amazing brothers named Isaac and Toro Corin, who are also known as the Brothers Corin. And also they, were, uh, they, they had a group called The Kin, which was them, The Kin. 
and just uh, exceptional, exceptionally talented singers, songwriters, producers, and beautiful human beings. So it's dear, dear, two of my closest friends in the world. They basically said, look, we know you got a lot of music in you. Um, we help artists, singers, songwriters get their music out into a form that could be turned into an album. We'll help you do that. And I said, wow, um, does it matter that I've never even wanted to write a song? <laughs> and they laughed and they said, no, it doesn't. We know that we know there's music in you and we know we can help you get it out. And I trusted these guys and, and I'm so glad I did. And this led to the development of an EP, six songs. As I was saying yes to the project, I thought my first thought was this will be an embodiment of Renaissance humor. Because for me, yes, I love singing. I'm, I'm still like beyond belief excited that I'm singing again and singing regularly in, in New York City now. I'm singing next Wednesday, I just found out. Uh, I'm, I'm still like amazed that my body is able to not only to dance at all, but dance at a high level again. And so I have, I have this tremendous gratitude that I am able to sing, that I'm able to dance. And so all that is wonderful. And at the same time, sing, writing songs, I'd never done that. I thought, well, I'm a writer, but writing songs, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> that's, that's a special skill. I didn't know if I could do it. And I thought, so that'll be my edge. That's my edge then, because I don't know. I don't, I don't have confidence in this. I, I may be great at it. I have no idea. I may, I may, it may flop. So I thought, so in the name of Renaissance Human, I'm going to take on this project, and I'm going to call it Renaissance Human. And then it dawned on me, what I'm really saying yes to was this, this movement of Renaissance Human, not just me, Pete, with that name, not just me being a Renaissance Human. Again, I'm one of millions. Uh, and, and that's what was really being born. And so it's just, it's just played out over the last couple of years. We launched the album last year. We did a concert in New York City as the launch event in May. And now I've got attracted this amazing set of people here in, in New York who want to help me with this. And they represent all different levels of artistic skill and business skill and innovative skill. And uh, it's, it's amazing to me just to see how it's unfolding and kind of organically growing. Magic is magic is brewing, and something something will will kind of birth out of that. I, I can feel it literally, viscerally, all the way across the country. I'm in San Francisco as we're recording this episode. Bruce, what I think is really curious in what you're sharing is that for you it is dance and song, and in between it was this career of business. And uh, just to mention again, like you're also teaching at, at Stanford since 22 years consecutively. So clearly there are different ways how you're expressing, but you're making it really clear that this is something that isn't just available to some chosen few. This is actually something that is part of our human, um, I would almost say evolution. Mm -hmm. So how can we foster and encourage that in people while we're still also operating in a reality or a framework that is somewhat really um, gravitating around earning a living and making an income because it is also a baseline that's quite important. Yeah, well, that's a great question. I, you know, I've said many times in the last few years as I've been sharing this kind of idea that the outcome of, let's say somebody attends a workshop as I taught yesterday at, at the major university here in the East Coast, um, the, the outcome I was looking for was not that people decide, you know what, I'm gonna quit my job here at the College of Health Sciences at university and just go and be a poet. Um, probably not a good idea. <laughs> the stress that that would put on you would probably wipe out whatever creative urge you might, you might have. That's, so that's not the end goal. And it doesn't mean some people aren't destined to do something like that over time in a practical way that respects the needs of the family 
family and whatever retirement or whatever they're, they're thinking about. But it's not about just kind of like making a, a total radical shift and becoming that artistic person. You, you just because as you awaken artistic and creative skill doesn't mean you're going to be able to fully make a living at that. But to me, part of the joy of life is to have things in our life that give us enormous fulfillment, even if we have based on family obligations or maybe we're dealing with aging parents and we have to be a caregiver. And so we can't risk the steady income because we need to, we need to count on that while we also have these other things in our life that are requiring a lot of attention. So it's, it's still doing things in a balanced way. So, um, I, I don't know if, I'm, if I've lost the track of your original question. Well, the question, the question is, is really how th this is exactly the, the way my, my mind was kind of thinking about it as well. And I'm, I'm really happy to hear it echoed through you that it is not the quest for people to just quit their jobs and, and let go of like the, the quote unquote regular word, world. And at the same time, how can everyone find this connection or this touch within themselves on a daily or weekly basis without needing to make it the major focal point in their life? And how, in, quote unquote, then can that re-inspire and generate energy into their life? Yeah, yeah. So I had a friend of mine is a physician in, in South Africa and she, when she was in college, she was trying to decide between pre-med and art <laughs> to, to radically different career paths. And the illogical brain and parents said medicine, go into medicine, and she did. She had a lovely career and still is. Um, and she moved more and more towards the integrated medicine route because her spirit was kind of taken in that direction. But there was still this gnawing feeling that she never took a sculpture class. She never got that side and she never worked with her hands in that way. Finally, about five years ago, she took a sculpture class and it changed her life. Not because she dropped medicine, but somehow working with the clay and working with forming shapes with her hands awakened a creative energy that got her brain thinking about a new way to do her medical practice that was far more fulfilling than the way she had been doing it. So she didn't, she didn't suddenly become a full-time sculptor. That wasn't probably going to pay the bills in the upscale up uh, suburb of Cape Town where she was living. <laughs> and she didn't want to leave that lifestyle. So to me, that's what it's about. And so she still you know, takes classes and, and loves that aspect of her life. And it's enriched everything. It's kind of bled into everything. And I found myself when I moved back to, to New York after living in the Bay Area for decades and having the, the beauty of the weather and the, the, the natural, stunning beauty of the area, hiking that's you know, from where I lived across the bridge from where you are right now in Sausalito, um, you know, amazing trails within 10 minutes of where I live. You know, I don't have that access here. So it's about creating opportunities. But the fact that I have had many doors open me to sing on a regular basis in the city at different events, and I don't get paid for hardly any of these, enriches my life so much. I just got a text right before this call saying, can you sing Wednesday night? And I said, you bet I can. My answer was yes, 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 have I been clear. <laughs> and so now I have songs I need to get ready for, for Wednesday night. And that gives me an energy and a sparkle that makes some of the other things in my, in my business world that are a little more challenging a little easier because I got that, that fun juice. So to me, that's part of what I'm, I'm wanting to awaken. And also just, I think in that process, as we start to respect that artistic side in us that wants to come out, that part of us that wanted to sing songs, but we were told, no, nah, Julian, you don't want to be singing in front of anybody else. <laughs> or one wants to dance and be silly, but somebody said, is that really how you dance? <laughs> you know, and, and then you shut, you shut it down. 
And I think so we haven't respected, we haven't felt that that part of ourselves has been respected. And we often then turn that around to others and don't respect their artistic skill either. One night I was uh, at a resort in, uh, in Palm Springs, beautiful uh, hot springs in the desert. It's a picturesque place, very high-end restaurant, uh, eating, eating inside. And uh, I noticed this classical guitarist playing in the, in the restaurant. He obviously had been hired there. And there was not a, a special light focused on him. But I've, I've been around enough classical guitar and around enough amazing artists over the years as I sat and listened to him, that this guy is really exceptional. And no one, except for the, the date that I was with that time, uh, was paying attention. No one. They were not, the, the, this musician was not the focal point. And he would play this amazing concerto on guitar and, and I'd be going like this and, and so was the, the lady and nobody else, like they weren't really paying attention. Or they might be like, oh yeah, I think somebody was just playing something. And I thought this is partly what's where the culture is, is still upside down. That we're in the present of an amazing artist and I don't know if he's getting 50 bucks, 100 bucks to play for four hours and he might get that. So that's part of where the culture is. We're, we're denying that part of us. We know how, how moved we can be by a sunset, by a concerto, by Adele's song, the Stevie Wonder song, or whatever, and yet we deny a lot of that because it's been denied to us. And so I mean, part of it is just, let's free up, let's loosen up and start enjoying and appreciating that again. And it's, I think a lot more could change from that than we realize. Beautiful, it's one of those very obvious and apparent symptoms of the com competition and comparison culture is that if we only honor and value the best or the gold medal, um, we, we might we might miss all the thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who actually have such a big gift, but don't necessarily need to stand on, on a world stage to express and, and to share this. Right? I, I love that, Bruce. I, I have a couple more questions, and I want to know a little bit more about you personally in this in this conversation. So, we talked a lot about creativity and about the balance between creativity and kind of logical thinking or business reality. Um, What's part of your personal daily practice, something you do every day that is in essential and vital to this process? Um, I get out of nature every day, which when it's 25 degrees outside and snowing <laughs> is a challenge. I did go out there today uh, early. Um, so I get out pretty much every day because I believe no matter how tough the weather is here in New York City, it's pretty challenging sometimes. Uh, I need to be out there. I need to be interacting with the elements, feeling the energy of, of life. It's just harder to, it's almost impossible to experience that from inside an apartment or inside a house. So that's, that's to me a kind of an essential piece. But it's not just being out, it's moving in nature. Uh, part of that, of course, for me, having, having had double hip replacement surgery, it's kind of important for me to keep moving. Um, but it's important for everybody, not just guys who've had their hips replaced. Because um, I believe that part of the issue in our, our inability to embrace our creativity is that we are stuck in a position that's shaped like that for many hours of the day. We're we are sitting way too much, yes. And good luck having a free flow of creative ideas when you're in that shape where the energy easily kind of cools up in anxiety down in the gut or in the head or wherever it is but it's not free flow. So starting the day with some moving around, even if it's just walking outside in the fresh air or yoga or working out in the gym, whatever it may be, to me is, a, is an essential piece. 
I, I use music as a meditation tool a lot. And so um, I, I do meditate every day, often with music. But even if I don't do it with music, a lot of the intention of meditation is to identify what I'm holding on to, what um, anxiety I'm holding on to, what worry I might hold on to, what pain, actual physical pain I, I might have, or let alone emotional, and try to let go of it. So the key aspect of my meditation practice for some time now has been the letting go of whatever I'm holding on to, even especially the stuff I'm not even consciously holding on to. And then I start to realize, wow, you're holding on to that. Wow, dude, let it go. Let, let's let go. It's you're gonna it's gonna free up. Things will free up if you can do that. Um, and in addition to that, part of the meditation practice is to actively send love or compassion or peace to aspects of my life or to the world that I feel needs needs that. Because I, I'm, my life is not only about my life. I'm, I'm, I've been clear for decades that I'm here for, to help the world and have a great life in the process, but it's for service and for humanity that I exist. And, um, and to do that in, in as loving and, and as fun and as, as beautiful a way as I can. So that's a big part of a, a daily practice as well. And, and then to be as mindful as I can in all the interactions that I have many of which are with people that are not on anything like what they would call a spiritual path. You know, it's the bus driver on the bus into New York City. It's the concierge at the desk downstairs who's got the UPS package and needs me to sign for it. You know, it's the, it's the everyday interactions with people that are just doing what they do and treating them with love and respect and care. Mindful of the actual exchange of energy that's happening rather than the, the transactional yeah. reality that, that we so easily slip into. Very, very interesting um, kind of daily occurrence. I have another question for you. What is happiness as a concept? What is happiness for you? What, what represents happiness? Mm, what is happiness? What represents it? Um, I, I think of it as a feeling first, actually, as, as opposed to the things that are going on. And I think it's, it's kind of a, it's um, bright well-being. Nice. <laughs> if I could, it's well-being that's bright. Perfect. Yeah. I, I, this, is, this is so, so charming and so like such a great answer to my, my question here because it's not a concept, right? It's, it's about the feeling in our, in our being. So a lot of things could create that. It's not about just you know, the place you live or the place. I mean, there's a lot of things that make me happy about where I live or whatever, but that, that, that bright well-being, never thought of that before. That's, thanks for asking. Bright well-being. Kind of out of the ordinary, this question, just to go into the way of unlimited thinking. Bruce, if you were to wake up tomorrow and your bank account would show $13.7 billion, what would you do with it and why? Uh, that's assuming I survived the, the recognition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, assume, assuming it doesn't give you a heart attack and you're ready to do something with it. Or I just immediately ascended at that point. <laughs> left it all. I'd written into the will that if I were to get a windfall of 13.75 billion, it could go to XYZ countries or whatever people. Wow. So what would I do with it? Um, <laughs> laugh number one i'd be like it would i would it would take days to stop laughing um, <laughs> yeah. if, not, if not weeks and, and and a lot of 
the number of times I would have said this can't possibly have happened um, would have, you know, I would have gotten, I would have gotten sick and tired. Of <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. You know, I, I, there, there's ever since I moved to the San Francisco area and started meeting a lot of musicians that I didn't have access to when I was living in the mountains south of San Francisco for a while. I started meeting a lot that were kind of in my age range, exceptional musicians that had done big things in LA or New York or whatever, but chose to leave the lifestyle of the cities for a, a more beautiful place to live, but had a really hard time supporting themselves. And so would have to teach, um, which is not a bad, a bad, bad profession to teach music students or whatever, but seeing kind of a, a, a tiredness and kind of a, like, wow, it came to this. I had so much talent and so much hope and so much promise. And now in New York, similarly, the number of people, friends of mine that are, you know, that are, have been brilliant in their careers and, and then something happened or, or they just got older and it, most professions are about young, not about older. And so there's something about this helping fund the arts in a different way that, that recognizes the talents of, and I'm, just, I'm not talking about just people, kind of baby boomer age or whatever, but at, at all ages. There's a very strong philanthropic urge in me to, if I were to get it, a windfall of even a, a thousandth of that much money, um, I would want to put a, a significant share into some way of creating um, income and, and ongoing revenue for artists who have, for whatever reasons, not been able to make that connection. Because again, I feel like, I mean, you look at people who are recording artists now and it's one guy who just hit the number one of the billboard charts. He sold 900 albums, but he had 87 million streams. <laughs> so the monetizing of, of musical talent, unless you're doing tons and tons of concerts because you're a huge star, is like crazy. You know, the, 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 the price of anything an artist produces is going lower and lower and lower, and their share is so tiny. And so how do you ever, unless you become a massive star because you're so popular and so commercial, how do you, how can you really support yourself? So there's, there's something in, in that and the economics of all of that, um, whether it's musicians or artists of all kinds that I think needs a whole nother way of looking and we probably need to throw some money at figuring out how to create some new economic models for, for artists. So um, exciting. Sounds like Renaissance Zoom and, and, and that idea have, have a, a natural way of merging. Uh, the last question I have for you is, is also one of, of those into the direction of, of unlimited thinking. Um, Bruce, if we as humanity had a shared vision for our home planet, for our mother earth, and let's say we're envisioning the next 100 or 200 years into the future, what would your personal vision of planet earth be? So today I had to call Apple support for my iPhone because the external speaker is not working properly. And it's quite annoying. It's like the alarm goes off. It makes a really tinny sound. And it's, it's a high-end, brand-new you know, 10S. And the lady who answers the phone, she says, Hi, good morning. This is Paradise. <laughs> and I said, Is that really your name? In which case, um, great. Hi, this is Heaven. <laughs> and, she said, <laughs> and she said, Yes, it is my name. And nice to speak to you, Heaven. And I said, Well, that's not really my name. I was playing around. But her name really was Paradise. And there was just something so charming in this conversation because I kept saying, thank you, Paradise. <laughs> and, it, and I just couldn't help but kind of be very lighthearted through the whole thing. But it, more than that, as, as delightful as that interaction about the failing iPhone was, um, 
was this this notion of paradise and you know i i think whether it's you know the movie avatar came to mind all of a sudden just now as i was thinking about this and just just the, the vision of a planet an, an ecosystem a gaia that is in balance that where the, the natural rhythms of nature are not only present as they are regardless of how man how humanity looks at it the, the rhythms of nature are, and the forces are are going to do what they're going to do regardless but where humanity respects that respects that it is sensitive to that um and yesterday at this workshop i was teaching uh, one of the pieces of my model of how you develop your creative brilliance has to do with nature and not just going out into nature although most people need to do that much more but to understand the incredible intelligence that's now being discovered about nature about how species of trees communicate and support one another with ones under attack or needing extra nutrients other species will literally send the right nutrients through the underground root systems to the, the species that are in need you know one tree will be attacked by insects and they'll um, other other trees will support them with their with it rich nutrients to help fight off the attack there's just numerous examples of senses and ways of communicating that exist in nature that we're completely oblivious to have no idea it even exists and so part of my message was when you walk outside yes enjoy the sun sunshine yes enjoy the beauty of the the grass or the trees or the leaves or the flowers or the snow or whatever it is that you're seeing but also recognize you are walking into an intelligent system which is dynamically creating all the time the clouds that are changing that's creation in motion the storm is coming we're not sure how much snow we're getting tonight that's creation in process we don't know it's big, creation is happening all the time you're walking out into an intelligent system and so to me there would be a, a a general i mean i'm just coming into that awareness in many ways i mean i've talked to plants for years and had a close personal relationship with with a couple of palm trees um but uh i think to have a, a, a more general understanding yeah exactly they they waved at me when i made that comment shout out to you guys over there um i think to have a more general awareness and and a, a humble uh, celebration of of that the, that intelligence that exists in nature is part of what i would what, what i would, would envision for 100 years from now let alone 200 years from now that's we recognizing are, paradise we are so we are so aware that this planet that we are on is not just ours to make without thinking of the consequences but that we are part of an intelligent system that is why we are even here and 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 is what gives us our life may it be so yeah I, I love this answer. Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to answer a few questions, to share about Renaissance Human. Um, is there anything else you feel called to share at, at this point? Uh, you, that's, we covered it. For now, that was awesome, Julian. It's fun to talk to you. I mean, as I told you before we even started the recording, uh, I, I really enjoy interacting with you in, in these conversations. So I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you've got a lot of uh, skill at this, probably because you're an extremely good listener. So to have a conversation where I knew you had some questions kind of in mind, but I also felt like you were very much with me. So the questions were resulting from what I just said, as opposed to just kind of playing off the outline. For those who didn't see the video, the mate certainly helps to stay uh, sharp and attuned. Uh, Bruce, well, th thank you so much. Exactly. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you and Renaissance Human and get in touch if they feel the call in their soul? 
Yeah, sure. Well, um, most social media places. So there's a Renaissance Human Facebook page. There is um, renaissancehuman.co is a, a beginning of a site where it's not all built out yet. There's a lot that's not there on there. Um, uh, the work that I have done prior to Renaissance Human, my own, my own site, brucepryor.com. And I'm on social media as Bruce Pryor on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Good. Twitter, um, all those places. Cool. So, Thank you for being awesome. on Green Planet Blue Planet. My pleasure. My pleasure. Loved it. hope you too enjoyed this episode of Green Planet Blue Planet podcast, diving deeper and displaying what makes planet Earth worth living on and who are the creators, what are the projects that create this resonance across the world. If you enjoy listening to the show, make sure to subscribe, maybe share it with a friend or simply shoot me an email with your thoughts and ideas. Also, make sure to check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com. I have a lot of new offerings and possibilities to work with me on there. For example, I'm hosting several retreats this year in Brazil and Canada. Also, there is an event in Costa Rica coming up. And for those of you who are looking for specifically mentorship or coaching at this point in your life, I'm currently open to taking new applications as well as I'm starting a group container of eight people, eight people stepping into the journey of their becoming. If that's for you, Simply have a look at greenplanet-blueplanet.com, activating leadership, and wherever you are in the world right now, have yourself a stellar day.